Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Jose Negron, on voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel, hosting the leading technology show, T3, today, tomorrow's technologies, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or noon East Coast Time. You can also listen to our podcast on Monday and Tuesday, morning and afternoon, so check out your voiceamerica.com at the Variety Channel and logged into T3. As always, before we get started, our audience participation is critical. We continue to increase our numbers in the U.S. and our international. I'm always uh, amazed at our international listeners, but it's pretty important, and we're over 17 countries. So it's kind of interesting to listen to that or at least see it on on paper. To keep our audience involved, uh, please call us at 866-472-5788 or email me at Today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. I'm real excited because we're starting our uh, sequence of uh, nuclear topics and renewable fuels. And today's uh, topic is recycling the ashes of nuclear fission. This is critical because what should the U.S. do with nuclear energy? Uh, We're storing uh, tons, tens of thousands of tons of recycled nuclear uh, materials around the U.S., and we've been doing it for over 40 years. So is it time now to recycle this unspent fuel? What do we do about the recycling process? Is it even valuable? Why are we storing these tanks all over the United States? And then finally, uh, should we get started? So these are some of the questions we'll be talking today in our uh, our discussions, and I'd just like to break down our uh, program into three segments, as always. Uh, first of all, we'll talk about the history of recycling nuclear fuel. Second, we'll talk about what is the U.S. doing now and what should we be doing tomorrow. And then eventually, we'll talk about w- what is our recommendation, what is our way forward for nuclear energy. Uh, to help me discuss that, of course, I brought two key guests, uh, Mr. Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan. Steve, of course, has been on the program, and he is uh, he's worked in the radiation and nuclear uh, business for over 30 years. He's currently advancing nuclear energy recycling. Uh, he is a member of the American Nuclear Society. And then Mr. Tom Dolan has 25 years experience in law enforcement. He's an uh, emergency manager. Uh, Institute out of FEMA. He's been an incident commander. So these guys bring uh, total expertise. But to give you a heads up, we're going to be talking about uh, recycling the ashes of nuclear fission. Last week, we talked a little bit about uh, nuclear uh, renewable uh, fuel, nuclear energy. Next week, I just want to give you a heads up that we're going to be talking about the advantages and disadvantages of renewable fuels. Why are we going to win solar uh, wave and bio, uh, byproducts uh, when nuclear energy is one of those carbon-free energies? So we're going to have a deep detailed discussion and try to comparative next week. But today's focus right now is recycling the ashes of nuclear uh, fission. And I'd like to ask my guest, uh, Steve, uh, 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 welcome to the show and let's get started. I'd like for you to uh, 
Tell me a little bit about the history of nuclear recycling, because that's important to understand as we move forward. Uh, thanks, Jose. <clears throat> the origins of nuclear recycling, uh, recycling actually took place in, during World War II when we were uh, making the bombs that um, ended uh, ended that conflict, uh, and we were very quickly trying to take plutonium out and make the bombs. That was a very messy process, and we've all heard of Hanford, and that's uh, what has happened up in Hansford. They put all the... Uh, um, the things that came out of that process into tanks up there and sort of ignored them. Well, we're not going to do that anymore. So fast forward to the time that we started doing nuclear power back in the late 50s, early 60s and on. But the industry was going to recycle. They were going to recycle their used nuclear fuel, and they had processes to do that, and they had actual for-profit businesses that were engaged in that, in that process and, and doing rather well. And they decided to look at nuclear in a little different way, I guess. And... Uh, um, when they, the most people know about West Valley where they um, recycled originally, and they were uh, they put put the stuff in a tank and they and it sat it there and they were going to do something called vitrify it, but by the time they had uh, shut down to retool, the government had added so many regulations to it, it became cost ineffective to move forward. So they had no other other way to go but walk away from it, and that's just kind of because they way over-regulated it. So there's a, you know, we've got to look at the way we do things. So then uh, enter Jimmy Carter, who decided that uh, it was, he was afraid that they might um, use plutonium to make bombs from used nuclear fuel, which isn't really the best way to do that. But he decided to stop the entire recycling system, put it on hold, and there it sits till today. And then um, the next step they wanted to do was a deep geological repository, and as we probably most of us heard about Yucca Mountain in Nevada, they have dug their heels in for 43 years and successfully diverted that process, even though we spent a lot of money studying that mountain and a lot of planning went into it. And so we're in limbo today. Um, now, nobody else in the world followed our lead. Uh, the rest of the nuclear power states, and most notably France, UK, Russia, which was then the USSR, India and Japan have all uh, taken the recycling path. Uh, to, to take care of their fuel. And there's good reasons for that. So um, now we're in limbo. The fuel is sitting on each site in something called dry cast storage. It's very safe there, but it costs the U.S. government uh, close to a billion dollars a year to pay the utilities to keep it there because uh, Jimmy Carter's action actually gave the title to the used nuclear fuel to the U.S. government. So they're responsible for, for disposing of it. And that's where we, we get to today. That's pretty amazing that we had uh, since 77 uh, with Jimmy Carter. We went one direction, the rest of the world went another. And so for over 45 plus years, the rest of the uh, international community has been recycling. And we basically have stood still, except for maybe an exception of uh, some of the military uh, sites out there. Is that correct? They are starting. No, they have not recycled any... Um Okay. Uh, Navy nuclear fuel yet, but they are, they have it stored, and it, of course, is much more valuable than commercial nuclear fuel. And there's a plan in place up in Idaho to start uh, recycling that nuclear fuel as well. Okay, so no nuclear recycling has been done in the U.S., uh, period, is what, what I'm getting from you. Yeah, not, not, since, uh, not since the early 1970s, and not in a mm -hmm. substantial way. 
Okay, and the rest of the world, the global community, as you stated, uh, France, UK, Russia, India, Japan, has uh, done this for quite several years, uh, 45 plus years. Okay. Correct, they continue to do that. Yeah. So for full disclosure, uh, uh, Tom, Steve, and I uh, ended up going to Argonne Lab uh, back in early March, and we really talked to the nuclear experts both uh, on uh, nuclear power, nuclear recycling, and the way forward. And Tom, you have any uh, uh, comments on the first part of this question as far as the global and uh, reaction to recycling and what you are going to see here in the U.S.? Yeah, uh, I, I believe back in the day uh, when Jimmy Carter and uh, Gerald Ford originally had the ban, they were expecting that the world was going to follow. They wanted to be the world leaders, and at that time, it just wasn't uh, feasible for France, Russia, UK, India, Japan to uh, follow suit. They wanted to do their own thing. I mean, uh, that's that's number one. But number two, uh, we have 80 tons of nuclear fuel being stored at like 40 sites, you know, and it's increasing every year by 200 tons. I mean, right. uh, there is no national campaign to get this stuff together on even, you know, the problem here is, is public perception, even political perception. Uh, public uh, perceptions of stuff goes right into their uh, uh, political leaders. So they're only following suit with what they're, uh, people are telling them. So we need to get a little bit more information out there on the, on the general parts. Uh, it, it makes sense to actually recycle all this fuel. Uh, first off, we could power the, the United States for thousands of years into the future with what we have currently uh, called waste. It's not waste. It's a valuable resource into this country, and we have to start changing our opinions altogether to uh, take a look at this stuff. Uh, right. So uh, hold on to that fact, because I think a lot of the issues that we're um, encountering, especially in the use of nuclear energy, the reprocessing of the energy, uh, is the definitions. And uh, uh, the word waste isn't really waste. So hold on to that uh, thought. We'll talk about that in the second mm-hmm. segment. But let me let me move forward a little bit. Uh, Steve, uh, with our visit to Argonne, wh- what's out there? What is Argonne really doing and, and how do we get back in the game? Well, the Argonne's very proud of the fact that they had uh, invented nuclear fission. Their their um, claim to fame is Enrico Fermi doing the first, uh, you know, sustained criticality under the uh, under the at the University of Chicago under the football stadium and on a squash court, which is kind of a neat story. And that was the um, start of Argonne National Laboratory. So right in after the war, in 1946, they they dived right in uh, with the idea of of, of small modular reactors fast reactors, and uh, the way to reprocess this stuff in maybe a different way than the chemical processing, which seems to be a good combination. So we've talked to them at length, and they have quite a, uh, uh, as you know, you saw the, the museum in there, that of, of including Fermi's actual book where he wrote his notes in, and they really have a handle on it. So for the last 40, 45, 50 years, they have been working on pyroprocessing to reprocess it, which breaks things down not quite as much as the chemical reprocessing does, but enough that a fast reactor can burn the 95% of the fuel in light water reactor that is not burned in the original light water reactor process. And so we 
we think that's a, a great way to go. So you take what people now think of as waste and turn it into something that's really much more valuable than gold. And it does it in a very safe manner, and it does it in a way that uh, we can power the world, like Tom said. We can talk, there's enough sitting around in the, in, the, in the piles right now that we could power the world for a thousand years using just what's there. And that's the magic of Argon. They've done it for 30 years. They've proved it works, and we think it's time to take it to the market. Yes, I think I read something from you. Uh, there's tens of thousands of tons of recycled nuclear uh, uh, energy out there. Uh, let's talk about radioactive waste because that seems to be a misnomer for a lot of us. And, and of course, there's all kinds of, uh, I guess, uh, uh, definitions and uh, stratification when it comes to waste. Uh, there's a low-level waste that I've read that's really uh, radioactive uh, contaminated protective clothing tools, fiber. Uh, filters, rags, uh, medical tubes, and many other items. There's uh, waste incidental reprocessing that's uh, more focused on the high-level waste, which is the radioactivity and byproducts of the spent nuclear fuel. Um, uh, you know, that's uh, that high-level waste is really uh, the, uh, uh, I guess, the used nuclear reactor fuel. And, and, and that, uh, I guess, those definitions, low-level waste, high-level waste within the waste incidental uh, to to reprocess is um, really throwing folks uh, uh, laymen off uh, what is so important for nuclear energy and nuclear recycling. Can you comment a little bit more on that, Steve? Sure. Um, there are actually three categories, high-level waste, something called transuranic waste, and then the rest of it is low-level waste. And it's basically anything that's not transuranic or does not fit the high-level waste definition, is considered low-level waste. And that is usually, like you said, garbage that's been contaminated that needs to get buried somewhere. And so it's very innocuous, although there's very strict rules on how to package it, and they store it in places where they can actually retrieve any of it that they need to in the future. They actually map it out where it all goes. And it's in places that are very dry, and, and uh, actually it's in a very safe condition now when, when that happens. That's going on every day. The high-level waste has two categories. One is the stuff that they took from, like the Hanford stuff that happened in the West Valley stuff after they reprocessed. The stuff that's left from that is, is category is high-level waste, as is the spent fuel that's sitting into the canisters on, the, on each of the sites. But they recently have taken a look at that because if you categorize something as high-level waste, it's very, very expensive to take care of. So it doesn't make sense to really categorize things as high-level waste if they're really not. And that's another... Uh, beauty of reprocessing, you really take about 97% of, of, of the items out of what is now considered high-level waste and make it technically either transuranic waste or um, low-level waste because uh, uh, depleted uranium is considered low-level waste. So they've made, a, they've made a, 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 ju a judgment on that. If you can reprocess this stuff and take the uranium and plutonium is actually a transuranic element, and, uh, and take it away from the original spent fuel. Now you only have 3%. That's really considered high-level waste, much more manageable. So those are basically the categories, and they're talking about it now just because, again, why, why should we, you know, why, it's like if you, if you reduce the speed limit on the freeways to 10 miles an hour, we'd save a lot of lives. But that right. doesn't, doesn't make the mission work any better, and it's much more expensive for people to do anything. So they don't do that. Kind of the same okay. thing for this. 
Okay. Well, let me, uh, Tom, I know that you have a dif- different philosophy, and really, uh, when we talk about nuclear waste, it's not waste. Can you comment on that? Well, sure. Uh, I mean, first off, we, we need to understand or educate people of the actual process. A- after a, a nuclear power plant has used the fuel for roughly a year and a half, three years, it's shut down and removed. That that bundle is put into a pool of water for five to seven years, and it's like kind of kept by itself. It's a solid. It's not a, a liquid or anything like that. Then they pull it out and put into these special casks, and you've probably seen pictures of them on the Internet or even on our website, uh, and it shows that they're in concrete, they're inside of uh, stainless steel, they're very well protected, and there's no chance of anything leaching out on any of this stuff. But that stuff there is highly radioactive for hundreds of thousands of years. However, when you were able to recycle it and pull out the useful uh, 97%, like Steve said, you can power the country forever for that, uh, just about ever. Right. But at the same time, the the actual bad stuff is so much smaller, and at the same time, it's only radioactive for under 300 years. Now, okay. we're looking to say, let's recycle this stuff. Let's make a business case on this. This is an economic windfall for any state that first decides to go and uh, move this forward. Okay, uh, well, let me let me do a quick summary. We've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, folks, we're talking today, Recycling the Ashes of Nuclear Fission. I'm sitting here with my two guests, Mr. Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan. They've got over, uh, Steve's got 30 years in nuclear business. Tom's got 25 years in law enfor- enforcement and radiation response and incident command systems. We've been talking about uh, recycling nuclear fuel. We've done the history a little bit. We've talked about whether uh, nuclear Nuclear waste is really waste energy. We're going to come back and deal, dig in a little deeper in that topic when we come back in our uh, second segment. So I'll see you in a few minutes. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You 
are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Uh, our topic today is recycling the ashes of nuclear fission. I have two guests, Mr. Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan, and we've been talking about recycling the spent uh, nuclear energy. Uh, some folks are re- uh, referring to it as nuclear waste. Uh, we've covered the three levels of nuclear energy byproducts, and I just want to say that this, uh, nuclear energy byproducts are located in over 70 locations. They're, they're stored. We have over 99 thousand tons of it across the United States. And the question now is, what are we going to do about it? Should we do something about it? Should we uh, start recycling? Because right now, as I said, they're scattered all over the U.S., over 70 locations. But first of all, let me just bring your attention. Uh, I've had uh, Steve and Tom uh, generate uh, a PowerPoint quiz for you. So please go to their website, uh, HTTPS, semicolon, backslash, backslash, Virginia, dash, recycles, dash, uh, snf.com backslash nuclear ed backslash and if you can't find it there go to our uh, uh, voiceamerica.com at the Variety Channel look up T3 and look up today's show on the 31st uh, it's called Recycling the Ashes of Nuclear Fission and from there I'd like to bring back uh, Steve Steve let's talk a little bit about uh, you know the 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 I guess the pyro uh, reprocessing and and why it's so useful as we move forward with nuclear energy and tackle this uh, um, really uh, nuclear power and uh, nuclear waste. Uh, that's a good question. Thank you, Jose. Uh, basically, the way the rest of the world is recycling is to make fuel for another generation of light water reactors, which are uh, actually uh, uh, slow slow neutron fissioning. The fast reactors do not slow the neutrons down. They use the fast reactors, and there are a lot of advantages of that. Pyroprocessing takes the used nuclear fuel that exists today, turns it into fuel suitable for that process, and allows that process to go in which uh, the fast reactors will fission all of the rest of the uranium. It's kind of a magical uh, system that's that's been going on. So um, we are advocating that process be bought back, and like I said, it's been proven. Thirty years they ran a reactor up in Idaho, uh, the Argonne National Laboratory guys did, and it worked for, for 30 years uh, nonstop and, and had no problems. And they produced a, a lot of energy in, in, in a short period of time, so it, it's time to take that concept, ramp it up a bit to, to make, uh, make it larger for the current inventory of, of used nuclear fuel, and, uh, and make it work for the, for the community. So, Tom, can I get you go on mute if you're not talking so that we don't have rustling in the background? And, and uh, Steve, let's continue on. Uh, why is the U.S. so hesitant on recycling the fuel or or moving forward with the recycling while the rest of the global community is just uh, miles ahead of us right now? Very curious, uh, Jose. That's a speculation we all talk about and wonder. But uh, it has been a trend, like I said, started with President Carter. Uh, and actually, Ronald Reagan rescinded that, so we actually can reprocess today if, if we decided to go forward with that. 
But the light water reactor nuclear business is what they're used to today. So they want to mine uranium, enrich uranium, make the fuel, put it in the reactors, burn it. And the most of the community now for 40 years has been told that it's going to be buried and it's going to be sort of off their plate. They don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not your responsibility. But they're As I look back at this, uh, I guess, burying the nuclear uh, fuel, I, I just see a lot of dollars going to waste uh, in this process. Yeah, and I, I I just don't see that as a logical. Uh, one of the things that I see as an impediment to moving forward in the nuclear business is uh, the energy companies getting paid by the comp- uh, I guess by the government uh, to store these uh, casts on site. Uh, do you think that plays a big role on them not leading the effort to move forward, or it, it inhibits people to come up with a different plan or different strategy? Well. Uh- Nuclear utilities are in the money in the business to make money, like everybody else in business to make money. So they're going to go the way that they think is the most profitable. And when they were engaged in the process of recycling the fuel, they had that mindset. But once the government in 1982, the government passed a law that said we will take title to your use nuclear fuel and take care of it. In 1970, they narrowed it. 1987, they narrowed it down to Nevada at Yucca Mountain was the only place that was going to be studied for this. And through probably the way politics works is, is bizarre sometimes, but they, Nevada felt they were being forced, and they didn't want to be forced. And so they dug their heels and they fought this. And for 43 years, they resisted, even though they spent eh, a good number of $12 billion trying to study that mountain. And so they're to the point where now the NRC is reviewing the license. They stopped reviewing it because Congress has stopped paying them for it. But if we go a different direction... And I'm convinced if a governor decides that they want to make money, lots of money, by recycling used nuclear fuel and makes that announcement to the government, it's going to change the entire industry. Entire Congress will be for this. The president will be for this. There will be loads and loads of benefits coming down the road. And I think that uh, it will change the, the way people think of this. But right now they're not thinking about anything but burying it. The professional organizations, the industry, everything. That's the way they're, they're looking now. So Tom and I and you are kind of blaze the new new trail out here yeah i think uh you hit one of tom's funny buttons there because uh he's big on uh how do we get this uh really thousands of uh years of energy back it circulated back in the system and the only way you can do that is recycling and i uh firmly believe as you stated 97 percent is still usable even the three percent that needs to be stored over a period of time becomes usable for medical research or other items uh tom you want to comment on on what steve just comment the use on the states or talk a little bit about what you're trying to do in Virginia? Sure. I mean, you know, uh, I, once again, Virginia is a prime location for the state to say, hey, we're going to accept spent nuclear fuel, use nuclear fuel to recycle. Okay. Number one, we recycle stuff in this country, plastics that are worth hardly anything, but we're still recycling it. Uh, you you got to look at uh, every ratepayer who has ever had some uh, money come in uh, or, or, you know, paying their bills, the electric bills, part of that went to a uh, federal nuclear waste fund, which has to be used specifically for used nuclear fuel. Virginia alone has spent $852 million, and the fund is roughly $40 billion, okay? Uh, if Virginia gets 
to be the first to do this stuff. Number one, the economy could be turned around, especially in certain areas. I know Southwest Virginia is looking for something like this. This is this is their four-leaf clover. Uh, there is just turning around to be able to change uh, the economy uh, alone with bringing this into the states uh, would be something else. I mean, if you really look at the, uh, the end result, there's all sorts of stuff besides 97% that can go into energy within a few hundred years, there's going to be rare earth elements inside that 3% that's supposedly bad. It's not bad for hundreds of thousands of years anymore. Only 300. We, we can do future <laughs> research and as a, with a national laboratory specifically for uh, re- renewable energies, uh, green, carbon-free, right. you can find right. out all sorts of good stuff with this. Okay. Well, Steve, let me uh, get back a little bit. Let's take a step back uh, as we discuss uh, nuclear energy recycling and the use of it and uh, uh, the pyro processing. Uh, how do we get started in this thing? What do we need to do today? What are some of the backgrounds that we need to reshape uh, You know, in, in the usage of the, the tons of uh, uh, spent fuel that is out there that is usable? How do we get started? Well, my idea, uh, Jose, is to, to start with education. People have to understand this. That's a tricky business because people don't wake up every morning, you know, wondering what's going on in the nuclear world. So you have to uh, engender their interest in it a little bit. To my to my thinking, the way people look at things, it's they're not very interested unless there's money involved. Well, there's a lot of money involved in this, and so it could really regenerate the entire economy of a, of an entire state which, as we know now, the economy is on the top of everybody's mind right now. So it's a good time to talk about this. But basically, that fund could be leveraged to have the lion's share of the clean energy business for the next, you know, two generations if a state would raise their hand. The federal government would roll out the, the table, and they would give them lots and lots of benefits for this. In fact, they've said that if a state consents, the state can define what consent means, and the state can define what the benefits are. So we've listed out a bunch of benefits that we think they should uh, go for, but I'm, of course they're going to ask for other goodies when they, if they go forward. But the bottom line is, if a state actually makes that ask, it's going to change the entire way the nuclear industry looks at their future, and I think it will open up a real bright future for them. Just for the audience alone, how many sites are out, are out there that uh, these uh, packages are stored? Well, there's... Um, 69 sites with nuclear reactors on them, and currently there's 96 operating nuclear reactors now. They crank about 2,000 tons of this out a year, all of them put together. And uh, when you look at the volume of this, uh, it's really not that much. It's about uh, football field size stacked to about 30 feet. And you can see if you drive by any ash pile for a coal-fired plant that it's, it's many, many, many times that volume for the coal ash that's sitting there. So it's really a very small, compact, contained uh, energy size, but we, we need to, to somehow get the people understanding how important it is, because the future is going towards all electric. Cars are going all electric, and we're going to put a much bigger demand on the electric system in the near future. And we'll talk about this next week, but the, the, the wind and the solar just are not keeping up with the demand for that. And so nuclear makes the obvious choice. It's a baseline power. It's on all the time. It's a clean energy. And it's the only energy production source that's in that range. Right. And uh, it's it's interesting. As we move forward, 
do you, uh, I guess the recycling process, because you're trying to establish the plant, would you start a light water reactor because that's the way the community should move because of the safety factor? Because one of the issues that uh, is brought to the table in the word waste and radioactivity is the safety feature of uh, that process. And the question is, how safe is it? Can you address that a little bit more, Steve? Sure. Um, I, all I will, I'll point to France for 60 years. They've done it without a single incident. And they have figured out a way. It's not easy. There's a lot. You have to do everything remotely because it is radioactive. Once you separate out the 3%, it becomes a lot more manageable. And the idea right now is to sequester that 3%. And as Tom said, it's, it's really only uh, it, it's above background radiation for 300 years, but it's really only dangerous for about 50 years. And then after that time, you can pull the stuff out of it. But what they worry about is they hear about uh, the Hanford stuff and the, and the liquid waste that's sitting there, and that was a terrible tragedy. But it was a tragedy engendered by World War II. We were fighting a war, and we you know, just didn't think about that stuff at the time, and now we're paying the price. That won't happen again. In fact, the stuff at West Valley was going to be vitrified, and in fact is vitrified now, which means it's in a form that's sort of like concrete that you put in the ground. It doesn't just decay away, and it doesn't you know, dissolve, and, and the stuff just stays in, in, in the format until you either use it again or just leave it there, and 300 years it goes back to background levels. So the danger is, is there in some aspects of it, but it's very manageable. It's like anything else we do that's dangerous, and making steel is dangerous, but we put safeguards in place for it so people don't get, don't get burned and don't get hot and don't get injured. It's the same thing with everything else we do. We ship gasoline down the road, but we put safety factors involved with the trucks and the transportation routes, so it's very seldom that they have an accident. The same thing is operative here. It's, there's dangers involved, but there's many, many, many safeguards, many more with nuclear than, than anything else that we do, and it's, it's the safest industrial. It's got the best safety industrial record in that industry than any other industry. That's quite a bit uh, saying right there. Hey Tom, let's let's t- bring you in a little bit. Let's talk about the recycling and and the safety features. And what do you think about the you know continuing the word waste versus recycling and your thoughts about that? Because you're a big pusher of nothing's really waste. Everything can be used, and you've got to think about it that way. Well, you you got to look from back in the '70s. I graduated high school '78. The ban was starting to. The year or two before that with uh, uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, President Carter. And, you know, look at our mode of thinking back then. What do we have today that we don't have then? And all the research that's been accomplished in the last 40, 45 years. And we're, we're still making great discoveries. Just imagine in the future what we're going to come up with a lot of the electronics that we have today uh, is you know based on rare earth metals well there's a decent uh, percentage in some uh, in this uh, nuclear uh, what they're calling waste which i'm i'm calling uh, future uh, uh, resources okay uh, once it cools down it's usable everything's usable we reuse everything we recycle everything we have to do this for our children the future. This is is a it's a it's a good thing. Uh, we don't have to worry about you know hundreds of thousands of years because how can we? We can't even picture a hundred years, two hundred years. But once we're getting down to three hundred years, we have something that's more manageable and uh, what we can actually use at some certain time. 
Uh, you got to look at the, you know, we have these national labs who've done great jobs and they're ready to help uh, push whatever business or whatever directive the government goes into, into making a safe recycling process. And it, it just makes sense. I mean, France has been doing it since 76, but yeah. their their process will, uses up a lot more land. It uses water. It's a chemical-type separation, and it costs a whole bunch more than what pyroprocessing has come up with. And this is something that we can actually possibly co-locate with existing plants, or we have a regional place where we can start using the inventory that's here at the power to the country into the future. I mean, if you look at a thousand years and 10 cents a kilowatt hour, uh, that's trillions of dollars that, you know, we're sitting on right now and we're calling waste. It's not waste. It's only waste if you waste it. It right, makes right. sense. All right, folks, we've got a couple minutes here. Let me just uh, start to recap a little bit. Uh, we've been doing a series of shows, uh, the Renewable Fuel Solution, Nuclear Energy. Today, we we're talking recycling the ashes of nuclear uh, fission. Next week, 7 April, we'll talk about the advantages and disadvantages of re uh, renewable fuels. The critical part is, how does uh, nuclear energy play in this uh, renewable fuel? Most people do not consider nuclear energy as part of that, but as the population and growth spurts, uh, will need more energy. Uh, the real question is, will solar, uh, wind, and other capacity, since we've already decided the fossil fuel needs to be terminated, well, what's the substitute for the fossil fuel? And uh, what uh, Steve and, and Tom are talking about is moving to the nuclear energy source. And so we've been talking about that. Also, if you need to know, know a little bit more about the nuclear fuel, nuclear energy, please go to the, uh, the website. It's uh, HTT PS uh, semicolon backslash backslash uh, Virginia re dash recycles uh, uh, slash uh, snf.com uh, backslash nuclear ad. If you can't find it there, please go to uh, our uh, website uh, and check us out. It's there in the narrative. And in our next segment, I'd like to talk a little bit more about, you know, what's the way forward? Well, how do we move forward from this? Because there, we've talked a little bit about the background. We've talked a little bit about the safety. We've talked a little bit about uh, uh, other uh, technology moving forward. What should the U.S. do? And so, We'll be back in a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests, which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune into All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. 
It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Let's uh, continue on to our third segment. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more on the, the way forward. And our topic today is recycling the ashes of nuclear fission. Where should we go in the future? And what are some of the constraints we need to tackle today in order to get us across the finish line? I'll turn that question over to uh, Steve. Steve, uh, what should the U.S. do? And what are some of the advantages that will push this, uh, I guess, the uh, both the use of nuclear power and, and today's subject, the recycling of that energy? Well, initially, we have to change the attitude like I talked about, but there are good reasons to do that, and there are companies out there that can do that. The trouble is they're not motivated now to, to make any of that happen. Uh, uh, we know about the subsidies for wind and solar, and there's also subsidies for actually, you say we're trying to get rid of fossil fuel, but there's still lots of subsidies for fossil fuels. So, that's sort of an issue that needs to be worked out, and actually on the le- federal level, the nuclear is the least subsidized of all the fuel sources. And some of the states are coming in to rescue the nuclear reactors, but like I said, it's a matter of profit for the, uh, for the, for the uh, um, utility companies. So the idea is that the utility companies probably like making that money for storing it, but there's a lot of impetus for them to move it down the road as well. Because the next generation nuclear is really being impeded because people are saying, well, if you can't take care of your waste, you know, well, what good is it? So we have to solve that problem, in my estimation. So the approach I like to take is Argonne has the technology, but they, they, they're not a business. There's lots of businesses out there that are capable of doing this, but they need the incentive to go make a deal with Argonne to tech transfer the stuff out. So like Tom was saying, maybe we go to southwest Virginia and, Open up a pilot plant and, and, and produce power for those guys down there, produce jobs for those guys there and see how it works. And, uh, but the first step is the governor understanding this enough to make a declaration. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, with uh, the governor, uh, Northam, in the third quarter last year, uh, he uh, made a declaration that by 2050, Virginia is going to be carbon-free 100%. And uh, even some of the senators and uh, delegates, uh, they're actually going and trying to beat that and saying by 2045. However, with our existing nuclear plants, which is providing close to 40% carbon-free, clean energy, we need to do a lot more. And it's not going to happen with just wind and solar. Uh, But at the same point, doing this in Virginia, we will get an economic benefit and research for years and years to come. It just makes sense. And uh, we're, we are speaking with uh, some people uh, in certain parts of the, uh, Virginia where it makes sense. They're looking for, uh, you know, a, a new way of, to make energy, a new way to uh, spur the economy, and it makes sense. They even have a coal plant down there that has to get shut down in southwest Virginia 
in 2026. Well, guess what? They're having a tough time trying to figure out how they're going to put all the uh, windmills and solar to replace that. However, if we can locate a reprocessing, excuse me, recycling plant, pyroprocessing plant with uh, uh, one or two uh, small uh, modular reactors, fast reactors, uh, I'm telling you, it, it would be an economic boom to the area besides being one of the first states to be able to show an example to the other 48 states how it's done. Uh, uh, schools, everything else can definitely, uh, you know, make a big change with this. Uh, it, it makes sense, once again, as Steve keeps on saying, it, it just, it's, it's time for it to happen. We can't pass this stuff on. And uh, whatever state, and I'm hoping it's going to be Virginia because we're already very nuclear friendly. We have so many different uh, uh, businesses and communities that support nuclear, uh, even for the nuclear Navy. It's just a, a, an amazing state to be able to be in and hopefully be part of this uh, future, uh, uh, you know, spur of right, economics right. with... Well, let- let me give you two factoids that I came across here. Uh, there are 3,013 metric tons of used nuclear fuel in storage at nuclear plant sites in Virginia. That's a lot of fuel. Uh, and mm-hmm. I look at that like a loaf of bread. If you take a loaf of bread and you're just throwing it away, that's just wasted money. And if you just take the two end pieces away and store it, like you said, Tom, for 100 to 300 years, but I think there's more value to that material still left uh, in the research side of the house. But because we've considered so highly uh, radioactive and, and, and different uh, uh, materials, nuclear materials that we've we've uh, you know it's a it's material non grata is the way I look at it uh, so we need to do something about the other 97% the second uh, statistic as of 2016 Virginia has contributed 852 million dollars to the federal nuclear waste fund and I'm and I'm asking myself why are we doing that we should be producing or using that money to develop and recycling because there's more benefit out of it instead of continuing to pump money into a fund that you can't get out of pump money that eventually will produce something uh, as jobs scientific research uh, new energy forms because energy is going to be depleted uh, as we move forward we we are, as consumers, consuming more energy now and into the future as we move to uh, the more, uh, you know, all electric homes or future cars and so forth and so on. So the need for energy is there for us. Steve, uh, let's, uh, we've got a couple minutes left. Let's do a, a quick recap from your perspective. How do we move forward and, and what should we encourage everybody to start looking at? Okay. First, I want to point out that they're not collecting that fund anymore. They stopped collecting it in 2014. Oh, okay. But all that money is supposedly still there. I think uh, the way we need to, to, to go forward is to get people to understand the real depth of the problem. What they're hearing is not really what is happening. And I, I'd equate it to, like, the, the military guys. We all didn't like the military guys, and they came back from Vietnam, and they really sort of treated them bad. And over 40 years of education and understanding, we've come to really revere our military as we should. I think that's what's kind of going to kind of happen with this stuff, because if people really knew the truth about nuclear energy, I, I don't think they'd be against it. And every every group I talk to is, is really pro and in favor of it and, and ask me, how come we don't do this today? So that's part of it. 
The other part is we need to interest the business, uh, the business side of it. And with $40 billion in a hip pocket, I just think somebody's going to bite on that. That's just a lot of money to be sitting around and not, not, not paying attention to. And to the, the great benefit of the, and then, then the climate change, everybody wants to have clean air and clean energy. And whether you believe in climate change or not, you don't want pollution. That's a really big killer, too. So all the, all the signs are lining up. We just got to get the right person interested and the right group interested, and then it'll go from there. Right. As I look across the, the spectrum there, I'm looking at who, who uh, you know, from a leadership perspective, uh, from the U.S. government, you've mentioned we've got to change our attitude and the U.S. government needs to take a lead. But within that U.S. government, I'm looking at DOE. What are they doing to contribute? NRC, what are they doing? Uh, the National Labs, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, both you and, and Tom talked about uh, uh, what they're doing. And then, if, uh, finally, the military. The military's been using using uh, nuclear power and with a little accident. So their safety record is about as good as France, if not better. And so w- w- what do we need to do to convince folks uh, that uh, nuclear po- energy, use of nuclear power is safe? Yeah, the Navy runs more nuclear reactors than the whole rest of the world combined. Not in capacity, but in numbers of reactors. There's over 530 nuclear reactors active all the time in the nuclear Navy. You never hear anything about them because nothing wow. goes wrong. So oh, wow. um, DOE is, uh, and, and NRC, NRC's job is to regulate what Congress tells them to. So you're not going to see a whole lot of innovation coming out of the NRC. DOE, on the other hand, has uh, recently turned their, uh, their, their game around and has started to really lean forward and figure out what we need to do with all this stuff. And we're fortunate to have a Assistant Secretary of Nuclear Energy or a Deputy Secretary of Nuclear Energy, Rita Barinwall, who's much in favor of this. But, you know, they're, they get up every day and deal with a whole lot of issues that this isn't the only thing on their desk. Now, I will tell you that the military is going to small modular reactors. They're going to have them. They're going to have them for base support, for, nuclear, for, for power on their bases in a, in a microgrid fashion, and they're going to make mobile ones that they can use in the field just because it's overwhelming the amount of uh, money they can save any amount of technic- uh, tactical advantage they can have by doing that. There's actually, uh, they just let a contract for three companies to come in with, with uh, designs for them. And they will have one latest, I think, 2026, but probably closer to 2024. They will have a prototype working. But the military is not, is, is not waiting on this. They're not waiting for the rest of the world. or not waiting for the rest of the United States. They're moving out. So when you got that impetus behind you, I think it will jumpstart the rest of the community. And there's 50 companies out there capitalized at more than $2 billion, small businesses designing small reactors, and all the big boys have one, too. So it's coming. I mean, the investors see the value of it, and, and, and it's, it, it's going to dot the landscape and, you know, over the next uh, couple decades. We've got to right. start now. Right, right. And then the next big question is, do we continue burying it or do we recycle it? And to me, the burying aspect is just, uh, you know, that was like the 50s uh, technology perspective. We need to go into the recycling. What's your vote before I turn it over to Tom? Because I know he's got specific activities on the recycling side. Well, just like Einstein said, if you keep trying the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, you're kind of, he called it insane, but you're, you're not very smart. And 43 years we've tried failure. Yep, there, it, it will not be buried in the United States because no state will accept it. And the most likely one, Nevada, is digging their heels in and, and, and fighting back, although they're listening to this message, too. They're one of the other states that are sort of competing with Virginia, like Wyoming and even Puerto Rico. You know about Puerto Rico, Jose. So um, 
just moving down the road, and and I think you'll see something break through very very quickly. Tom. Yeah, I, ahead, I, Tom. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, it, it just makes sense. I mean, and especially once you 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 uh, a state says yes, we're going to do this. The, the the amount of things they could ask for. First off, the the national laboratory that's that's going to be huge because you know that's going to be a carbon free. It's not only for nuclear, it's, but it's for everything else and and advancing it. It's an applied uh, technology where you know we can just turn it over to different businesses and start going with it. Uh, it, it makes so much sense, and and people are you know still so afraid of it from all the media and everything else where nothing's really happened. Uh, our, our host at uh, Argonne National Laboratory, uh, Roger Bloomquist, hey, he was on a nuclear submarine. He slept within 20 feet of the reactor. No, no, no harm has come to him. He's probably smarter now than he was back then. I mean, it's just amazing. It's just we need to get the facts get them out there soon and uh, make the change. This is a change that's going to happen, and uh, I'm, I am definitely working my angles here in uh, Virginia. I think uh, uh, the people who need it the most, I think we uh, will get them to uh, go forward and uh, make a change. All right. Uh, basically, well, folks, we, just real quick, Jose, we got to get industry to lead and get government to get out of the way. That's That's what could make it happen. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, we've got uh, at least a couple more minutes here. Let me just do a quick recap. Uh, we, uh, folks, we've been conducting a series of uh, uh, podcasts and radio shows here. The first one, uh, a renewable fuel solution, nuclear energy. Today's topic, recycling the ashes of nuclear fission. On the 7th of April, we're going to talk about the advantages and disadvantages of renewable fuel. We'll talk about, and really, we've got to come up with a, a metric that we evaluate these fuels on an even playing field because right now we're evaluating apples, oranges, and pears and there's not a common solution. Uh, some get uh, um, uh, uh, some are getting uh, subsidies, some are not getting subsidies, some are being penalized, some are being used or not used because uh, they, they either emit carbon or don't emit carbon. So we've got to come up with a common template that we can all use and evaluate how do we proceed with energy in the future. The second thing I'd like to tell you about is please, uh, we We've got a little nuclear uh, uh, test uh, as far as uh, today's program on recycling uh, the ashes of nuclear fission. So please go to uh, our Virginia-Recycle-SNF.com uh, webpage, and you can get more on that. I just want to thank uh, uh, Steve and Tom for their participation. Uh, it's taken them uh, the three weeks here to participate in this, but uh, it was really an eye-opener when we went to uh, 1st of March to Argonne Lab and been talking to the other labs and, and, and of course, uh, go visiting uh, DOE, trying to figure out what are we doing in a nuclear business. Uh, we've got uh, a few seconds left, Tom. I'll give you about 15 seconds and give uh, uh, Steve another 15 seconds to wrap this up. Yeah, I just appreciate the time on the show, and I think this is going to make a uh, huge difference. And uh, uh, once again, go to the website. There's uh, all sorts of other information other than a quiz. We have uh, a little uh, review with the uh, slideshow on here. And, uh, you know, you're not sure, go to our site, email us, uh, ask questions, and we'll point you in the right direction. If we can't provide the right information, we'll send it out to you. Feel free uh, to contact us through the site. Oh, thank you, Tom. Uh, thank you for joining us, Steve. 
Thank well, you. Well, they made very basic, like I said, industry has to lead the way, but they need an incentive to do so. And I think the DOE can provide that and really, really quickly solve a problem that they've been, been having for a long, long time. Folks, that concludes our show today. I'd like to thank everybody. Our show was Recycling the Ashes of Nuclear Fission. And next week, we're going to be talking about the advantages and disadvantages of renewable fuel. I look forward to seeing every one of you out there. And until the next time, have a good, safe uh, week and uh, be safe out there. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.